You are listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Connect with me on YouTube at Past Life Lady or on my Facebook fan page at Past Life Lady. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Journeys Through the Akashic Records is coming out on Friday, July 8th, and I just can't wait. In this book, you will receive 40 guided journeys that span my 20 years as a past life regressionist. You will take journeys to help you find the answers within yourself to some of your life's biggest questions. And if you're up late on Thursday, July 7th, I will be speaking with my friend George Norrie on Coast to Coast AM. We'll be talking about journeys through the Akashic Records. So I want to thank you in advance for pre-ordering this book. It just means the world to me. And I will look forward to seeing you soon. Namaste. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Hey, my dear friends, welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. So we've got one of our favorite guests of all time here. The remarkable Paul Selig is back on the show. Paul has an incredible new book called Resurrection. It's the first in a brand new trilogy. And I have been privileged to get a chance to read this. You are going to love this book. Paul, it's so great to see you again. Welcome back to the show. Nice to see you. Thank you for having me. It's my joy. So in our last episode, um, we spoke during the pandemic, during the release of one of your other books, and you had just moved to Hawaii. So so you're still in Hawaii now, correct? Yeah, I moved here for real. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh So it's been an interesting couple of years. And um, you've done it again, obviously. So so tell us about Resurrection. Why, why did the guides choose this name for this first part of this trilogy that you have? Well, they're speaking about what they call the monad or the true self, the divine self, the, the God within operating in a resurrected state is as in through all of us that the true self or the divine self seeks to be realized or resurrected within us and that that's how a world is made new so what they're really teaching in this trilogy is manifestation and 
perhaps not in the way that people have become used to thinking about it, which is I want to get this and I want to order that from the catalog, but how everything that we see is informed by our consciousness and that how lifting to what they call the upper room, which is the higher level of consciousness they say is available to us, we can actually be party to, to great change in the world by resurrecting the inherent divine that they say has been denied in form and in all things that we see. Absolutely. You know, when I read this book and your other books, I, you can feel the vibrational energy of these guides just shifting you as you read the words. Do you find that other people say the same thing? Yeah. I mean, the guides say the books are all energetic transmissions that work directly with the reader um, so that you're kind of in conversation with the energy of the book and the real authors of the book as you're reading it. You know, I'm the radio for these things. I don't write any of it. I sit in a chair, I close my eyes, I take the dictation. It's all done in front of audiences at this point because I can't do it alone because I would just check out if I didn't like what they were saying. But yeah, I mean, the energy is palpable during the dictation. And they say that, you know, the, the words on the page provide a context for the reader, an intellectual context, but that the real book is the vibration or the transmission that informs the words. Yeah, it really, it's so powerful. Um, and so this is going to be a trilogy on manifestation. And you touched on that a minute. What, what all do the guides want us to understand about how to manifest in this world that we're living in now? Well, I mean, they're teaching it in a somewhat different way. So they're not talking about getting stuff. That's not really what this teaching is. The guides say that we're in coherence, which is energetic accord or vibrational accord through everything that we see. So, you know, we will say, I want to manifest a better job. You know, I mean, you can do that, but you've manifested the job that you have and also everything that you see in your world. So it's not that, say, you created the war, but because you see the war, you're in vibrational accord to the war because it's part of your reality and your consciousness is informing that reality by how you hold anything. The guides say, pretty simply, you can't be the light and hold another in darkness and what you damn damns you back and what you bless blesses you in return. And they're really speaking not about the idea of a blessing as a nicety. They're talking about practicing the presence of the divine upon what you see, the action of the divine upon what is seen. To damn something, they say, is simply to deny the divine in what you see, to say God or source or whatever that energy is, that have, whatever you want to call it, can't be there, which they say actually empowers the darkness. So when they're speaking about manifestation, they're actually speaking about moving to a level of vibrational accord where we become receptive to what is already there. They say, you know, we're so busy trying to know God, if we want to go that route, that we forget that the divine already knows us and knows what's in our hearts. And they say, you move to this level of accord and you become receptive. So it's not about having the list that gets checked off anymore because they say, and they've said this for years, they said, you know, there's nothing wrong with a house on the hill. Somebody gets to live there, but why do you want it? 
And most of us are busy manifesting what we think we should have because we think it's going to give us something that we want. And most of that stuff is born in cultural agreement. It's better to be wealthy than poor. It's better to be attractive than unattractive. All of these things, which are really, I mean, I think all of these things can be chosen and perhaps experienced and learned through. I don't get that there's anything wrong with them. But the guides are talking about creating from the level of the true self. They say the true self knows and the small self or the personality self thinks. So when you're creating at this level, you're actually operating in an aligned state. You're in agreement to source, so you're in benefit of source. They say this is your inheritance. You don't have to earn it. It's already yours, but we've spent so much time operating in separation that we've built this wall, which makes it so difficult for us. And this is about lifting beyond the wall. So the idea of manifestation is altered completely. Absolutely. Resurrection feels to me like a calling from the guides for us to get up and do the things you're talking about, the shifting of the frequencies. And then what are we going to be able to achieve? They're talking about like the world that we want, you know, the world that we not the world we think we want, as you alluded to, but what we really want for the betterment of all. So can you speak to that for a moment, which I thought was so powerful? I don't remember what they said about oh, okay. it. continue to teach it. So, you know, I'll, I'll do my best. They talk about a world made new, you know, and they're right. speaking about that. They're almost done dictating the next book. So I just finished a session this morning and they're talking about a world made new in that one, too. It is a call, I think, to how a world is changed. And they say that our idea of a changed world is an improved world. We're always want we want to fix things and make them better, but we're always referencing a status quo born in history of what we think that should look like. And I don't get that we get to go back to something that we had. We're at a time of great change. And they say the change is opportunity and that the world is made new by aligning to a higher level of consciousness where what is chosen is different and what the collective chooses and how the collective chooses isn't born in a belief in scarcity or fear, which is how we've been operating, which is separation. So they're lifting, for example, they say, you know, you've lived on a planet for so long with war that you expect war and you're always going to have war as long as you're expecting it because you're always creating out of your idea of what was and basing what should be based on that. Perhaps we get a little better at destroying ourselves and a little more economical with the means for that, but still we've been fighting for a long, long, long time. And what the guides have said is we've actually gotten to a place where if we continue on the route that we're going, we're not likely to survive what we do. They say your idea of safety is building a bigger bomb. And they say that's ridiculous because eventually those things will go off if you continue to build them and support them. So they say that they have to move us or we have to move to a level of consciousness where war is not a possibility. And that's not done through the old template or agreement to how reality should function. It's actually done through a higher level of alignment and agreement to what is, they say, what is always true. And the good news is they've said in this book and, um, and for the last couple of years, 
they say humanity has made a decision to make it the collective humanity whatever however we operate as a species has decided that we have to move beyond the old way of doing business because if we don't we kind of know that we're in for a very very hard time and that's the process they say that we're now engaged in and i hear it's not necessarily a polite or graceful process it's deeply challenging because it means you know change at a level that we may not have wanted or expected but they say you know it's the equivalency of moving from one continent to another you know and you're being carried by this wave of change to they say what is a higher shore and i hope they're right because they're pretty determined and 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 actually consistent in their message and they have been since the beginning the very first book which was dictated through me in 2009 and published in 2010 somewhere in there they, they said you know you this you are the first in a gen, in a generation the first in a generation to bring these changes through and they're saying you know they've been saying it's going to take about four generations for the change to become apparent but that it has to happen and that those being born are coming in at a level where they're ready for this they're not going to be seeking to replicate the old systems in the ways that people of our generation perhaps are. I think you're exactly right about that. It's so interesting. You talk about the fact that we've collectively made a decision that just makes so much sense. I mean, we have to decide first that we're going to do this. And then, as you've also said, it doesn't have to be pretty, but we've decided we're going to do it. So it will begin to manifest as it needs to, I think. Fascinating. So when you're talking to your guides, are you, as they're bringing the messaging through, are you still consciously aware of their presence or how yeah. does that work for you? So I, you know, it used to be when I first started, this is a long time ago, that I used to feel like I had a tin can up to my ear and I was on a string and I hoped somebody would pick up the other tin can and talk into it. I was always so nervous that I wouldn't hear. And shortly thereafter, I actually asked for permission to merge. And since then, it's not like I have to go anywhere. It's really as simple as just turning a radio dial to a broadcast that's always present. So when I'm channeling, I sit in a chair, I quiet my mind if I can, but they don't seem to care if my mind is quiet or not because they can override well at this point. I work with a little prayer protection and I just do that because it sets a field that I like to work in. And then I'll hear one phrase repeated incessantly and until I give it voice. And the moment I give it voice, the rest of the lecture just tumbles right on after it. Now, one of the ways that I sometimes prepare is I used to imagine that I was climbing into the back seat of a car and turning over the wheel, you know, to the guides, which is just me getting out of the way. But I'm still in the back seat and I'm still, I'm so busy trying to keep up with the dictation. Sometimes it just comes a mile a minute. I mean, you can barely, the yeah. transcriptionists are just going nuts because it comes so fast. But I do listen from the back. And if I hear something that I think is confounding or impossible, or I question, 
I've been known to interrupt. And then the guides have learned how to incorporate it in the text. And so Paul has a question. Paul is interrupting. And sometimes they say, Paul has a question. We will take it later, which I actually like because it reminds me that they're in charge of their lecture and they're going to deliver it. They've actually gotten good at anticipating my questions before I say them, which I think allows them to keep the dictation on course. And I noticed that when I was about to form a question, I would hear Paul has a question and they'd say, what if my fellows and I, which is not my language, my fellows, that's their language, so they can be speaking as me to get the question out in order to keep moving. There was one book, a number of books ago, where I actually stopped the dictation because I was getting so perplexed by interruptions. And they said, we're going to continue speaking anyway. We'll tell you whether this is in the book or not at the end. And they did a whole lecture about my fear and my resistance, and it ended up in the book, which was, you know, now I don't know that that's what they intended for the book originally, but it's what happened. And now I think they're far much, they're far more in control than, you know, than me. So they'll know how to work with it. But I'm aware, but I'm in the back seat. I hear a phrase at a time. I don't hear a paragraph. I don't know the title of the book or the chapter until they give it to me. So I'm just hearing phrase, 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 and I whisper the words as they come and repeat them. Mm -hmm. So it's always like on a loop, you know, and I'm so busy. It's like reading a thousand fortune cookies one after another. I'm so busy with that, that it's easiest for me to stay out of it you know, and just mm -hmm. do my job, which is to, to be a stenographer, a spoken stenographer. In my mind, that's what channeling is. It's stenography. You know, when I work as a psychic or I read, there's interpretation involved. In channeling, there's no interpretation. I mean, I might stumble on a word and get corrected. Occasionally that's happened. Um, or we'll hear on the whisper, the word was, you know, Effulgence, whatever that is. And I said efflugence or, you know, or flautens because I didn't know the word. But we, it's easy to correct those. And there, I think in any book, there may be three words that are corrected that were spoken in an entire, you know, 300 page manuscript. So the transcriptions are very clean. And I'm grateful for that. And my job is to do the work to get it out there so that the typist can type it. And there's no editing. Those are the books. Yeah, that's what's so incredible. This is just unedited, amazing, high-frequency material that you're bringing through. And I do love it when they say, um, excuse me, Paul is interrupting, you know, and, and it is really nice. It's good. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I, I get that I'm a proxy for the, for the reader, but, you know, and I've always said this, you know, I don't write the books, but I'm a collaborator. It's coming out of my mouth, you know, they're using my my consciousness, my vocabulary at times, my memory or examples about me. And, you know, my name appears on the cover. So I have a, a small sense of responsibility to the material. I don't, you know, strangely, I don't care if people like the books or not, because I didn't write them. You know, it's kind of like, great, if you like them, terrific. If they help you, I'm very, very happy for you. But I don't have that kind of sense of ownership over the material because really I'm the radio for it. And I'm a student of the guide's work, truthfully. I do what they say, but I'm not a spiritual teacher. I'm not a guru. I don't want to be. Somebody else is welcome to do that stuff if they want to. But, you know, I'm, 
I'm so curious about all this still, you know, now they're almost done with the 11th book. I mean, and it's almost like a book a year. They're just like, so they've clearly got an agenda. I'm along for the ride. As long as they want to keep talking, I'm going to show up. But that's where it ends, at least for now. That's got to be a good feeling just to say, hey, I don't care if anyone likes it or not. It's a good it's a good place to come from. I care about other things. I care about my integrity in the work. Right. I care about the clarity of the channeling. Um, I know when I can get in the way and I don't want to be in the way. But I also gave up at a certain point caring about how I look doing it, you know, because I, I mean, I don't want to watch me channel. I find it challenging to watch. I'm whispering and repeating and it goes fast and, you know, it's not elegant. I don't get to sit in a chair, you know, with say, you know, with my, with my hands up, you know, saying in the, today the guides are speaking, you know, I don't get to do it that way. It's like kaboom and it rocks my body and it's challenging on my my system truthfully to do this I would imagine but you know I I because I can feel it I trust it you know and because they're so consistent in their dictation I have to I have to go with it you know when I in the old days when I used to question the whole thing I went you know I don't care how eloquent I may be I'm not capable of closing my eyes and dictating a book that doesn't require any editing spoken you know and now 11 of them so there's something else going on, and um, and I I care about I suppose I care about how the experience is received, I, the benefit of the books. I think I care about that, um, but I also kind of know that people are in their own awareness as they read this and that the books are meeting people at the level that they can be experienced. They're not self-help books and they're not quick fix books. And, you know, they're not books that you should sit down and read nine in a month and expect to ascend. You've got to integrate this stuff. And it's not, none of this work is terribly convenient, I have to say. None of it. I kind of, I mean, some of it's easy, but it's not convenient. And by that, I mean, I don't get to be right at the level of personality in this work. I don't get to be right at the cost of somebody being wrong. I don't, the guide say self-righteousness is always the small self. You know, I was out to dinner the other night and I saw myself being really judgy. And I knew that was my problem. You know, I'm being judgy. And that doesn't mean that I have to agree with somebody. I can have my opinions, but I do agree with what the guides say, who you put in darkness, what you put in darkness calls you to the darkness. You can't be the light and hold another in darkness, easy and challenging at the same time. Absolutely. Wow. That's incredible. I would imagine that does have to be very taxing on your physicality to do the work that you do. You know, yeah, I mean, it is, you know, I don't mean it in a bad way. Right. I'm dictating, you know, I'm in sitting with a group. They started the, the 11th book in, I think it was May. 
No, not even that. Like, it's just like two and a half months ago, two months ago, they started, whatever it's now, October. October. So it was late we started. I think it, I'd have to look it up, but it was like August or something. And, you know, they delivered, they started delivering the, the newest book in front of students at a workshop in Berkeley. Then I did a five-day retreat. They delivered 100 pages in front of the students there. Then another retreat. And then I have a little group that's gathered to receive the dictation for the remainder of the book. And the lectures are kicking my butt. The energy of the book is different. It's intense. Um, I have to say, you know, it, it's easier than laying bricks. I'd stink at that. I feel very fortunate to have the work that I do. But it does take a toll on my my system. I'm sensitive, hypersensitive. When I'm channeling a lot, I mean, you know, or doing a lot of psychic work, I mean, you could drop a spoon three rooms away and I'd probably jump, you know, I'm just so refined at that level when I'm working a lot. But I, you know, I'm also changing and having to integrate the energy of the books as they come through. And so I'm in my own process with this as student. And also, you know, they're working through me in a way that's demonstrable. I mean, you know, they're, the energy is palpable. You have 100, 200 people in a room during a retreat and the guides are running the energy. Everybody's feeling it. You know, it's part of what I like about the work is that the energy is palpable and they teach people how to work with the energy themselves because, you know, God forbid they should be dependent on my presence. I'm not always going to be here, but the energy is beyond me. You know, it's not Paul. It's whatever you want to call it. It's the source energy or the monad and expression that's doing all this stuff that the guides are teaching us. The upper room is available. It's what they say. It's always been available, but there's less density now. And they say that the upper room is the octave of vibration and tone above what they sometimes call the common field or the reality that we've known. They say the reality that we've known is an octave of vibration with its highs and its lows and its in-betweens. And the upper room is the next octave up. They say any piece of music can be sung in a higher octave. And resurrection is really the act of rearticulation or transposition to that level or tone that they speak of. Fantastic. So in our last episode together, I because I really do honor the fact that that what you do is very special and takes quite a bit of energy. And some viewers had said, well, could you ask him if the guides would like to say anything? So I'd like to ask that with the caveat that if they do, they do. And if they don't, sure. we're attached. We're not attached to any outcome, but I will yes. ask on behalf of those who love you and your guides, if they would like to say anything to this group today. Okay, so I'm just going to say, when I channel, I whisper the words and repeat. People hear things twice. We want to say one thing. We will only say one thing, the idea of who they are, the idea of who they are individually and collectively is what is about to be transformed, is what is about to be transformed, is actually essential for humanity. It is actually essential for humanity to be renowned, to be renowned beyond the agreement to fear, beyond the agreement to fear that you have chosen through, that you have chosen to learn through the action of fear is to claim more fear. The action of fear is to claim more fear. If you listen to what we teach, if you listen to what we teach, if you honor the essence of the 
teaching. If you honor the essence of the teaching, you will understand the true self. You will understand the true self and its agreement to you and its agreement to you that the divine as you, that the divine as you seeking its realization as and through seeking its realization as and through you is not only available, is not only available, but seeks to come, but seeks to come for the benefit of all, for the benefit of all. You become the portal of the doorway. You become the portal or the doorway to what we call the upper room, to what we call the upper room for the benefit of all you meet, for the benefit of all you meet, those you may never meet, those you may never meet, and the world that you see before you now, and the world that you see before you now, period. And they're saying period. Beautiful. <coughs> Beautiful. Paul, you're incredible. Your guides are incredible. Um, just, I'm sending you in particular, Paul, so many blessings right now. Um, you've got a lot of fans out here. Your work is touching people. It's helping people. And um, I'm glad that you're continuing this journey. And I just can't wait to see what's going to be coming next beyond these 11 books and into the wow. future, the way um, these teachings are really helping so many. So thank you so much for being with us today. Friends, let me tell you something. Resurrection, you're going to love this book. And we cannot wait to see the rest of this trilogy and beyond. Paul, you're amazing. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Blessings. All right, friends, we've done it again. I'm going to have Paul's links. You've got to check out the new book and I'll see you next time on Healing Arts. Guess what? My new book, Past Lives in Ancient Lands and Other Worlds, is coming out in October, and you can pre-order the book now. Do you want to learn about your past lives in Egypt, in Rome, in Greece, or did you fly around in a spaceship in another dimension, in another lifetime? You can explore all of this and more in my new book. So thanks in advance for pre-ordering, and we'll be talking more about past lives in ancient lands and other worlds in the coming weeks and months. You've been listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at pastlifelady.com or on YouTube at Past Life Lady or connect with me on Facebook at Past Life Lady. <music>